Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 49 of That's What B Said. I am your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host tonight, Miss Mollis at Bird's Eye View is with us. Hi, Britt. Hello, everyone. And also, Meredith is joining us tonight as well at MK on Sports. Hi, Mare. Happy Victory Monday, everyone. Yay, we're back to that. Feels good. Am I frozen right now? No, you're Not, good. Okay, Not someone us. just said I am. I don't know. Oh. Oh, well. I love that You look great. <laughs> Did the cold ever bother me, you anyway? Yeah, I was going to say that. Maybe he thought you were Elsa. Because you kind of like... Yeah, I look queen. like Elsa tonight. I look great tonight. <laughs> that queen hair going on, you know? Oh. Um. Well, guys... As Meredith said, it's a victory Monday. We are sitting at five and two. We, I always say we as if I'm part of the team, but we're sitting at five and two, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, But in typical Browns fashion, we can never have good news without the bad. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the good news. The Cleveland Browns defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 37 to 34 and improve to five and two on the season. And Baker Mayfield, we saw quite the performance. He put the offense on his back and proved he can be literally perfect. The Cleveland Browns won because of Baker Mayfield. It's about time. It's about damn time. All right. So for the, (laughs) for the bad news, (laughs) We got word today that OBJ is unfortunately out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, Before Baker was perfect, he was absolutely atrocious. Uh, He, we all know this at this point in time, we witnessed it. We saw it live. Baker was 0 for 5 with an interception that led to the OBJ season ending injury. I actually want to stop there for a, a moment. That play, the second offensive play of the Browns, how many bad things happened on that one play? Like, have we ever seen that before? And we've seen a lot as Browns fans. <laughs> okay. So, you know, those like sports bloopers in baseball where you've got two outfielders <laughs> going for the same ball, they don't communicate and they literally crash in the middle of the field and then just fall over. Like to me, that's what uh, JC Treader and OBJ kind of look like. <laughs> they just, they, they fell. Like it was an inter- it was an interception and then two key players go down and it was just it was horrific like my heart sank into my stomach like our studio (laughs) absolute silence it was a miserable moment to be in yes as soon as it happened i tweeted i was like how could so many things go so wrong so quick (laughs) like it's he threw that ball and everything just (sighs) collapsed and i'm like oh my god this is going to be the worst game ever. And for a while there, I mean, it really was. That first quarter Bad. was probably the worst that we've ever seen them, this year anyway. Yeah, it um, it felt like it was a repeat of the Steelers game almost, where you were like, oh, no. Like, second, first Baker Mayfield throw of the game, second play of the game, interception, mm-hmm. OBJ gets injured. You thought at that moment in time, JC was going to be injured and out for the game. It was like... This is this is going to be really bad. And it was that moment. I'm a pretty positive person. You guys know that. People that listen to the podcast know we're all pretty positive. I looked at my husband and was like, I don't think I can do this again. I just don't think I can relive another game like last week. So I was fully setting myself up for doom and gloom for the rest of the game. However, what happened after that was something of pure beauty because Baker Mayfield, after going over five in the first quarter, after that awful interception, the injury, he went 22 for 23. If you obviously exclude the spiked ball for the incomplete pass, he was perfect. 297 yards, five touchdown, a whole hand worth of touchdown, <laughs> all passing. And to all top passing. it all off, he won the game with a minute remaining no timeouts he marched down the field 75 yards and threw an absolute dime to dpj and we're going to break this down a little bit um so i want to rewind and ask you guys i think it was maybe three podcasts ago where we were talking about baker mayfield 
being like we called it a tale of two bakers where we never mm-hmm. saw a full game worth of a good Baker Mayfield. It was either the first half or the second half. Like we didn't get a full game of Baker Mayfield. And I remember mm-hmm. asking you guys the question, if the game came down to like the final few minutes and the Browns were losing and needed to win and Baker had the ball in his hands, would we trust him to make a play? Because it felt like in that moment, we didn't have to worry about the Browns coming from behind because for whatever reason, they were outscoring their opponents and creating these big leads to not be in that situation. But alas, that happened. Were you guys like, how did you guys feel that final minute with Baker? So I I'm pretty sure when you asked us that originally I had said, no, I wouldn't trust him. And yesterday, even when he was literally perfect, that last throw, the touchdown throw, I was like, he's going to throw an, an interception. Like, I just, that's all I kept thinking. I was like, he is going to throw an interception. We're going to watch him break all of our hearts. He's going to have this stretch of absolute greatness, and it's all going to come crumbling down in this last minute and six seconds, and that's it. Like, then you're going to have to, I, you're going to have to reevaluate things in that moment. Thankfully, that did not happen, and my my gut feelings were all wrong. So happy ending, kind of. I'm just gonna say today did not really feel like the victory Monday that it should have because and it, you know because of OBJ, like you have this ultimate yeah. high of like oh my god like Baker was perfect, but then immediately you're just brought down by this news, and it, it's such a like it's heartbreaking yeah. today. I was just like genuinely sad about it. Same. Same. And we'll we'll talk about yeah. OBJ in a little bit, but Meredith, I wanted to ask you as well, that that final minute before he he got the ball, did you think he could do it? It was <laughs> Yesterday was really strange. Uh without going into a lot of detail, work was difficult. Like work was a lot more difficult than it should have been. Um, that had literally nothing to do with the game. Like the game had nothing to do with how difficult work was. So I'm like at my wits end with things that are beyond my control. And I'm like stressed out. I'm like standing, I'm like holding on to things. And I've got Jim in my ear and he's like, he's Jim Donovan. And he's like, he's, and Baker has the ball. And Baker throws it. And I was like, no, he didn't. Like, I actually said that out loud. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, I was like, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. And then it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I screamed, oh, my God. Exactly like that. It was just, it was, it was so surreal. And it feels like it was 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was yesterday. But it feels like it happened. It felt like it happened 10 years ago. So it was one of those things where... Like you almost, I almost felt like I was watching things in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. I was just so stressed out and so just in my head about everything. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That, Baker, that just happened. Baker Mayfield, we have to give him a ton of credit for overcoming that first quarter and the interception because we've seen plays like that, even this season, kind of wreck him, whether that's mental. Um, or he just loses confidence. But props to Baker yeah. because it felt like we saw the 2018 Baker that we have been longing for. And not to mention, a lot of that came from the fact that a bunch of guys, tight ends, receivers, stepped up and made plays. Once OBJ went down, we had Donovan Peoples-Jones and Hollywood Higgins step up and make plays. Jarvis Landry wasn't even playing at a full 100%. So he was distributing the ball all around like he used to do. He used to just distribute the ball to whoever was open. It felt like he was making the right reads and progressions. He wasn't staring down his receivers, which was Mm -hmm. great. He was clean in the pocket. He stepped up and made throws in the pocket. He didn't seem as jittery as he did. In the first quarter, he did. But after that, he really settled Mm -hmm. in. He didn't get sacked. He had a ton of time. And it was really, really nice to see him bounce back from what could have been an abysmal game. Uh, Because the reality is the defense couldn't stop Joe Burrow. And Joey B Mm -hmm. obviously is pretty incredible in and of himself. 
but it felt like in order for the Browns to win that game, it was going to come down to Baker Mayfield because the defense, they couldn't do anything. Yeah. When, when Terrence Mitchell dropped that interception and then the Bengals just oh, continued down that the field so and bad. Put, oh. on the board in that moment, when they got the touchdown after that dropped interception, I thought the game was over at that point. Like yes. I truly did. Yes. And one of the things I wanted to bring up, cause you know, we were talking about Baker, you know, passing it around and I wrote down the weapons they use Higgins, Bryant, Peoples Jones, Landry Hunt, Najoku. Those are all people that he passed to. But when they talked to uh, Donovan Peoples Jones today, he made the comment that he knew that, you know, he could have got the the ball, you know, the touchdown that he made. He said, I, I knew I could have, but I wasn't really ex- expecting it to happen, something mm-hmm. along those lines. So that shows that Baker, you know, he was looking around yesterday. That was the first thing I thought of when he said, I was like, oh, this means that Baker's learning. He's not staring people down. He's looking for open receivers. He's, he's you know, yeah. browsing for browsing. options, <laughs> which was amazing. I loved hearing that. When that got me excited. Like, <laughs> like when we see receivers on the field blocking, that made me that excited. Where I was like, oh, yeah, this this is good news. This means that Baker was doing his job yes. yesterday. And it's the little things that we get so excited about. Yeah, and, and things you want to see from your quarterback who has appeared to have struggled with that thus far in this mm-hmm. year. I actually believe that, and I could be thinking of a different play, but I thought that Harrison Bryant was actually his first read on that play. And I think there may have been a safety that was covering him that Baker could have probably thrown it that way, thinking that he was going to be open and could have very well thrown an interception. Mm -hmm. But man, what a dime to DPJ and what a catch. I I thought that it was intercepted. A hundred percent. I had no clue. So right. As soon as he threw it, I was like, oh my God, like that is an intercept. Yeah. That's a pick and this yes. game's done. And, but he somehow caught it and he somehow had the concentration to put that foot in. And I was just like, how does a human being do Incredible. that? And this is what his third reception of his yes. career. Mm-hmm. You're right. Oh my God. Like how they don't, I don't know if you could teach someone to be that good. Yeah. I was just so I was I was so excited because like I was excited for DPJ in the draft too. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought he was a steal in the sixth round. Yep. Absolute steal. And then of course, and I tweeted this to our group chat, uh, our group text, you know, I was like, and then I put it on Twitter too, because I like to stir the pot, but all the, all the buck nuts that were (laughs) pissed, just straight (laughs) up pissed that Andrew Barry would have the audacity would have the audacity to draft somebody from Michigan. <laughs> and he did. And he helped win the game. I think the only reason Bucknuts were mad about that was because I believe there was an Ohio State player still on the board. I think a cornerback at that point was still on the board. So that's why they were mad. They always get mad if there's an Ohio State player on the board and the Browns draft a Michigan player before them. Well, to be fair, they get mad anytime. They just want yeah, all Ohio State. Yeah, they want fair, everyone on Ohio State to immediately be transferred to the Cleveland Browns. It's so dumb. And that's, it. that's so dumb. That's it. That's, yes. I'm sorry. That's so <laughs> dumb. Like, like, Ohio State has a lot of really, really talented players. There's, there's no denying that. But sure. there are a million other college football teams that have equally, if not more, talented players on their team as well. And I just don't understand. I think it's also a symptom of only watching one football team on Saturdays, because one of the things that I noticed in moving to the Midwest and like big 10 country is that big 10 fans only watch their team. So like Ohio state fans are only watching Ohio state, Michigan fans are only watching Michigan, so on and so forth. Uh, When you're in ACC country or SEC country, Everyone watches every game. So SEs like Alabama fans are also watching LSU and also watching Auburn and also watching um, Tennessee and and Florida. Like they're watching every game on Saturday. And it's the same thing with ECC fans, but like big 10 fans only watch their team. And so I think that's sort of what happens with Ohio State fans in the draft is that they're familiar with the Ohio State players because they haven't watched anything else. And that's why they only want Ohio State players getting drafted to their favorite NFL team. Well, I mean, I could I could be wrong, but that's just sort of my observation. Listen, none of it makes sense, though, because 
and I'm thinking like years, years past, because the old Browns, if you're an Ohio State fan and a Browns fan, why would you want Ohio State players going to the Browns? They would they would just be ruined. Like that's pretty much yeah. what happened when you got drafted by the Browns. You just your career is in shambles. Now we know that that's not true for all players, and especially not true now, uh, because we're changing the, the culture and the dynamic. Andrew Barry and Stefanski yeah. is doing a great job with that. So, um, but yeah, at, at that point, like if you're such a huge Buckeye fan, like you maybe don't want the Browns to pick Ohio State players. Uh, Denzel Ward. Yes, he yesterday. did, and I he will did. give credit yeah. for for him because uh, Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward, and Miles Garrett uh, jumping to the defense. Let's just go there. There's not there's not a lot to talk about. That's really what the defense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's literally all that there was to the defense yesterday. Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. I actually think that I wrote but, down. I have to write. <laughs> I have to read what I wrote down in the notes here. Um, what did I say? The middle of the field is wide open. Actually, the entire field is wide open outside of Denzel Ward, which it's it felt mm-hmm. that felt like yesterday. Joey Burrow, he was like little dink and dunks. That's he was a all engine he was that doing. Could. He was a little engine that could. And nobody was tackling. Like we went back to the Browns of mm-hmm. missed tackles days. Like the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Browns missed bad. tackles. Yeah, and then they're so lucky they didn't lose because that those missed tackles would have just haunted them oh, and there yesterday. Was, there were so many, and they were just so bad. There was one play. So and bad. I don't remember what it was. It was it was a rushing touchdown, not not from Joe Burrow, but when he had re- handed it to one of his running backs, and I forget who, but he's running into the end zone, and you could see the defense looking like they were trying to strip the ball rather than tackle the guy. And had he they tackled the guy, it would have made them work harder to get in the end zone and could have prevented it. But no, it was just batting at it looked like they were just trying to get the ball and not the player. So that was not awesome. Yeah. I mean, when there was three minutes left in the game, when the Bengals were coming down to score at that point, I was like, just let them score because we're just wasting time on the clock. You know, they're going to score eventually. And they did. I said that too. I was like, just let them score. Just let, because this defense is not going to stop them. Just let them score and get the ball back with, you know, hopefully they have enough time to score. That was it. Because I was like, they're going to score. So stop, (laughs) stop wasting the clock and just let them go in. And (laughs) hope that we can go down the field and do the same thing. Right. Like it was, it was literally just like, there's no defense being played. So just whoever has the ball last is most likely going to win. Yeah. That yeah. was, yeah, that was something they said on the radio broadcast too. It was just like, yep, whoever has the ball last <laughs> is, is winning this game. So true. Uh, and then also, I think probably outside of that first interception that Baker threw that took out, well, thankfully it didn't take out Teller, but it took out OBJ. And then the other point of the game. So I would say there's three points of the game where I wanted to cry. Baker interception, uh, Money Mitch dropping his interception. Yeah. And then Cody Parkey missing it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just, I couldn't. Cause I was like, I was holding my breath and I was crossing my fingers. Cause after 16 games, I was going to ask Jenna to make me a perfect Parkey shirt. <laughs> and just that, that, that one point, that one point, although it was funny. Cause someone had pointed out on Twitter that um, the accidental two point conversion could have like, he wasn't perfect on that one, but I was like, well, a, it, the kick was blocked. It wasn't his fault. And the accidental. He, B, there were still points on the play, so I counted it. <laughs> I forgot that he even missed an extra point. He did. I don't even remember that. It was, it was rough. It was he must rough. not have had money was, on the game yeah. because that was the talk of the town. <laughs> I did, but here's my thing. In my pool, it was four and a half, ah. so I was screwed. At the end of the game, I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, man, I hope they go for two. <laughs> Like, it doesn't make it they would not do that it doesn't make any sense i was like oh it makes sense for me <laughs> they go too. I was get on the headset get on the headset and call down to kevin stefanski be like hey i wanted to. i can win some money if you go for two here that's it i just wanted to just go for two don't that's stupid well you know sometimes i'm stupid so kill me well but it's money though like people would do a lot less for a or what is it a lot more for a lot less so yes exactly i was we, i know we obviously have a group text happening on game days and i was texting you guys because in my family group text my dad the ultimate boomer browns pessimist fan mm-hmm. was essentially texting the thread of like missed cody parky field goals i was like dad oh like get God. this bad energy out of the text message but he's the just 
he if he were on Twitter, he'd be part of the miserable Browns fans. I love you, Dad, but you would 100% be the miserable Browns fans that we call out every single week. Um, so going back to OBJ and Baker Mayfield situation. So, of course, after that horrible interception, the, the OBJ injury and Baker going off starting in the second quarter, it didn't take long for Twitter to erupt and essentially changing the narrative into how much better Baker Mayfield is without OBJ on the field. So I want to talk about that a little bit um, because OBJ, we've talked about on the show quite a bit. We love him. We love what he has brought to the Browns. Um, thus far in the season, he had 23 receptions, 319 yards and three touchdowns. Um, it was being reported that this would be one of his lowest productive seasons um, if he continued at this rate. However, mm -hmm. we viewed him as much more than just a statistical talent. We saw him being a vocal leader, both um, inside the locker room and outside on the field, even though he's been painted as being a cancer in the locker room. We saw him playing his heart out on the field, blocking in plays where he wasn't getting the ball, creating openings elsewhere, celebrating his teammates. Um, and we also heard him say at the beginning of the season that he just wants to win. And he knew what his role was going into this season. And that it may not be statistically a big season for him. Hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about really, do you guys buy into this whole theory about Baker being better without OBJ? Okay, let me go first. because. At first, you know, when people immediately jumped, when he got taken out of the game yesterday, when he got hurt, I saw immediately, and I knew it was coming, this tsunami of OBJ Baker takes. And uh, immediately they say Baker is clearly better without OBJ on the team. Clearly, they say that. But... And I sent you guys the mm -hmm. stats today, and I want to read this for people because sometimes we think things are true that maybe necessarily aren't. I mean, like, you know, sometimes I think that dreams are real and really I just, you know, make things up. <laughs> <laughs> like I do this all the time. I have these like daydreams or something and I'll tell someone a story and be like, oh, wait, did that really happen or is that a dream? I don't even know anymore. So maybe it's something like that with us or, or have you ever heard of the Mandela yes. effect? Oh my God. Where like you all collectively believe something and it never yes. happened. That, that is way. my favorite conspiracy theory to ever exist. Um, yeah. You guys should look it up if you don't know yeah. about it, but this is sort of like that. So, you know, everyone was saying, oh, we, and making all these reasons for why Baker's better. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but just hear this before you, you jump on that bandwagon. So Baker Mayfield stats with OBJ in the lineup. He's played 22 games. He has 59.7% um, completion percentage, almost 5,000 yards, 4,922, 32 touchdowns, 27 interceptions. So that's him with OBJ in the lineup. Now Baker without OBJ in the lineup, 15 games, 65.6% uh, completion percentage, 4,022 yards, 32 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So the touchdowns for both is exactly the same. The, the yards, I mean, that's almost 1,000 yards that he is better with OBJ. Um, the interceptions, that's the, that's the thing that I can't explain. And I'm open to suggestions <laughs> here because... <laughs> but he's with OBJ in the lineup. He's had 27 interceptions without him. He's had 15 interceptions. That's alarming. And I don't know how to explain it. I don't, you know, obviously I don't know. Well, You're also looking at but, a smaller sample size, right? Because pre OBJ Baker sure. wasn't even starting for the first few games. So the sample size is a much sure. smaller piece as well. The sample size is small, but, but like the, the touchdowns are exactly the same. You know, the completion percentage isn't all that different, you know, five, percent so i don't know like i thought that it would be a lot worse than it actually is you know i because to me i'm like oh okay like this is the best baker's ever played as a cleveland brown it just so happened to be when odell was no longer 
in the game. But the more you look at it, the more you, you think maybe it isn't, maybe it's just sort some sort of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is true that, you know, he, he doesn't feel that pressure to get it to Odell and then, you know, he can start looking around, but that's on yeah. Baker. If yeah. that's a problem, that's not an Odell problem. That's a Baker mm-hmm. problem. If he doesn't have that, the awareness to look around when Odell's not there, Baker needs to fix that and then use it when Odell's yeah. there. Because that would make him a better quarterback. That would make him. That would make the team better. Yeah, I think you. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that last one because for the longest time, and we were talking about this for the past few weeks on the pod, where it felt like Baker was being a one-read quarterback Mm -hmm. and he couldn't really find his second and third reads, and his first read was always going to be OBJ. His first, I mean, he's wide receiver one when he's not injured. So. And everyone else knows that. Every other team, everyone is aware of how good. Odell Beckham Mm -hmm. Jr. is and everyone is aware that if you give Odell the space he's grabbing that ball and he's taking off with it and there's no stopping him so I think the increased interceptions with OBJ on the field could have been a factor of not necessarily Baker trying to force it into the hands of OBJ but him not looking to his second and third reads and trying you know and and then when he goes after OBJ you know more people are going to be guarding OBJ so there's more chance of an interception in that case. So that could be part of it. I don't know, but then it seemed, yeah, but you know, it seemed like in the second half of the game, you know, he was, he was finding the open man. He was going to his second, third, fourth, whatever read he had to go to. Yeah. I wrote a 500 word essay on this for tonight's show. <laughs> I did too. You were, did, yeah. you were heated when I made this I lineup. Was, yeah, I, was, I literally went off on this document. Um, Because like you, Brittany, I saw as the game was unfolding, this narrative was also unfolding with it. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that this is a narrative now coming out of the horrid injury that happened to OBJ. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, with OBJ and Baker being together for a season and a half, less than, they didn't click like we thought that they would have. But here's the thing. There's a lot of variables that have went into this and there's no control period to look at but either way can we stop blaming him for baker and stop blaming obj for baker because one week it's obj needs a better quarterback and then the next week it's obj is holding baker back so like that those arguments Mm -hmm. you're literally arguing the opposite so in 2018 when baker mayfield was a rookie he didn't have obj teams didn't have tape on him yet And fans were clamoring to get OBJ on the team, to get Baker this dynamic receiver, because we we talked about this. He was throwing to Brashard Perryman and a bunch of no-name receivers, Mm -hmm. right? And then comes 2019. They trade for OBJ. They destroy the offensive line, in a sense. And then the Mm -hmm. Freddie Kitchens experiment happens. So like, here's the question that needs to be asked. If OBJ wasn't on the team in 2019 with a Freddie Kitchens coaching staff, and the rest of the team as it was, would they have had a better record than six and 10? Probably not. If Baker Mayfield did not film progressive commercials last year, would they would have had a better record of six and 10? Probably (laughs) not because those things, it wouldn't have mattered. And now this year came with a super smart coaching staff, some stability, but OBJ went through an off season of rehab and also a pandemic happened. There have been flashes this year, and I would have loved to have seen these two guys play together for a full season under Stefanski and then another full season under Stefanski with hopefully a normal offseason. And now with the injury to OBJ, we're not going to get that, even if OBJ is still on the team next year, because it's going to be another year of rehabbing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always say, regardless of who the receiver is, it will always come back to the quarterback. It's never about the wide receiver. Baker making the right decisions is going to impact wide receiver play. If you look at any other team in the league with dynamic wide receivers, they are nothing without a solid quarterback. And if you also look across the league, you will also see there are teams that are able to utilize a ton of different talent at that position. Ben Roethlisberger, we play against him two times a year in the division. Chase Claypool, 
Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown. I mean, he has had receivers and multiple receivers on the field at the same time. They figure out how to distribute the ball into their playmakers' hands. We also played against another team this year, Dak Prescott. How many freaking receivers did he have? He had three receivers, superstar receivers on the team. They were all able to have plays and to get their yards. So again, wide receivers don't matter if you have a quarterback that can't make the right reads and figure out the offense. So I'm not saying that everything falls back on Baker Mayfield's shoulders, but it, but at the end of the day, it does. Like the team will live and die with their quarterback. And that, and that's the story. Yeah. And good quarterbacks make, I'm not going to say average or mediocre, but like, you know, not elite wide receivers. Yeah. Better. I mean, look, look at what like Peyton Manning did in his career. Yes. Th- this is what really good quarterbacks do. They take it, you know, and the most exciting thing about yesterday is that we saw Baker doing yes. that. Yes. We saw him elevating the players throw, around him. So, Yes, so many weapons. And like he he really this was the first time that we've ever really won a game. Well, definitely this year, but we won it because of Baker Mayfield, because of what he was able to do and what he was able to see and the improvements that he was able to make after that abysmal first quarter. Like he didn't quit. And I can't, you know, for a guy, we talk about his confidence playing so much into his game. I think last year's baker if he would have had a first quarter like that that would have been it mentally he would have been done and you know it's just that was so important for him to learn from those mistakes yesterday and i'm i could not be prouder yeah i think the other important thing as well is it's it's truly everything happening and clicking at the right time so it's the quarterback it's the play calling it's making the right read It's having that consistency, having that trust. And these are all things that I think will benefit Baker Mayfield in the long run, which is why we shouldn't judge him after one game. You know, like you you can't after the Steelers lost. Yeah, it was really bad. But again, he turned it around this week after an abysmal first quarter and came around like we're going to need to evaluate Baker throughout the rest of this year. And I don't think you can give him any lesson this year to make these types of cases. Mm -hmm because he's getting comfortable in this offense. He's developing that trust with Stefanski. And again, like this is what you want to see from him. And this is what we should be expecting to see go forward. So one of the things that I was really interested in, if you don't read Mike Renner's materials on pro football focus, I highly recommend you do like he is their draft expert, but he's been writing about Baker Mayfield since he was in college. So the piece that he wrote last week about Baker is that he thinks at this point, the thing that Baker would need the most is a sports psychologist because everything is mental with him. He's got the strength. He's, you know, got the skills. He's got the right play caller. He's got the right offensive weapons. He's got the offensive line. He's got everything around him that he needed, but everything was mental. And another thing that Mike actually had said was, a quarterback never peaks in the rookie year. So what we saw from Baker in his rookie year is what we can and should expect from Baker in the future. It's just this mental thing that he needs to get over. And we always talk about Baker needing some kind of chip on his shoulder that he seems to be best when there's, you know, something making him angry. And I almost wonder if OBJ going out had a lot to do with that. Like he was sitting there and like mourning the loss of his teammate and wanting to do something great for him. And even he said, OBJ told him, go out there and be great. I'm almost wondering if the reason he was one of the reasons why he was so good. And one of the reasons why he was able to get over those mental hurdles that he wasn't able to overcome against the Steelers is maybe not having OBJ was actually the chip on his shoulder that he was out there and saying, I'm going to do this for OBJ. Hopefully the entire team rallies around that mindset. Yeah, I think Baker probably might have felt a little bit responsible for yeah, one. Yeah, sure I'm sure he and feels horribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, he—I don't know. I'm not. Gonna, it wasn't his fault. Like these things just happen. It's part of football. You know, there's no avoiding injuries and stuff like that. But like as a quarterback and as a team, and Baker, to his credit, no matter what, he always seems like he's—he's he's a leader of this team. Like he takes that job very seriously. So I'm sure the fact that, you know, he threw the pick mm-hmm. and then 
OBJ jumped up and I'm sure Baker felt responsible for that in a way. And he was probably like, I need to, to make this right in some, some little way. And, you know, we saw the result of that, I think. Yeah. Can we also bring up the fact that, do you know, like one of the, one of the fans, the miserable fans, favorite things to do is to criticize OBJ's body language and, and look at him on the sidelines and try to figure out if OBJ is a diva or not. Uh, (laughs) By the way, he's not. Anyway. So after that interception, OBJ could have just sulked off the field. He went after the defender to try to make a tackle. Like let's talk. Like nobody has even talked about that either. Like the fact that he he wanted to go make a play. Mm -hmm. If he was such a diva and such a bad teammate and such a bad player and not a team player, he would have literally just walked off the field and pouted. Can you imagine if that would have happened? Yeah. And how many how many times have we talked about OBJ being crucial? in a play, even when he wasn't the receiver making the catch, whether it was blocking or drawing defenders away or something, there were so many big plays this year that OBJ was crucial to, even though he was not the person who either caught the ball or got the ball and ran with it. Mm -hmm. Like he's just, (sighs) this team is going to be hurting without him. And I think, unfortunately, Baker playing better is just going to fuel that same Baker's better without OBJ. And I just, there's just no nuance in that argument. There's no nuance in that thought. And Brittany, I know you were the one who tweeted this. I forget your exact words, but it was a few weeks ago where it was, you know, that Browns fan talking about body language saying like, you know, dudes can't figure out, you know, when I'm having a bad day, but they can, (laughs) but they know everything that's going on with, with OBJ's body language. Like, I forget exactly how you worded it, but it was perfect the way you had said it. But that's what I come back to thinking about. Like, you know, like dudes don't notice their own hand in front of their face, but they can read OBJ's body language. Yeah. All of a sudden men are very intuitive. (laughs) Amazing. When it was the most convenient time, they're like, oh man, I could read that. But what the hell are you talking about? When have you ever read body language in the history of your life? It's never. So true. I've never met a man who could read body language. You could be sitting there, like I could be sitting. The, I'm not going to say this. <laughs> say it. You have to do say it. it. Say I'm it. Like, I've, had, I've had circumstances where you know I could be sitting in in the front seat of a car with my arms crossed and I'm staring at the window, like tapping my foot, and the guy would be like, so. What do you want to get for dinner tonight? Like they don't, they don't understand anything. (laughs) They're babies. You have to like express vocally repeatedly how you're feeling about something. Most of them just don't get it. So the fact that they like focus in on things like this, say, oh, I could read his body language. Shut up, sir. (laughs) You are clueless. I promise. They couldn't read body language if it literally slapped them across the face. Really? Seriously. But yeah, I like I, I I hate I hate the question of is Baker better without OBJ, just because I think there is so much more going on than than we know about. There's so much more going on than anybody else knows about. You know, with Baker, you know, and and his physicality and his mental yeah. stability and like where he is in his head. Like, there's just there's too much. There's too much going on. And it's too nuanced of an argument that we don't have enough information for to really look and say, you know, definitively, yes or no, Baker is better without OBJ. And quite frankly, like, I have a feeling that Baker is going to have a much better year moving forward because uh, I think the confidence is his biggest issue. And, you know, going almost perfect, almost perfect in the second half of the game yesterday is definitely going to help him. You know, he's going to want to, you know, do better because he's without his two best heart, like his two best weapons right now are OBJ and Nick Chubb. And he's currently without him. So Mm -hmm. like he he's going to want to be better and he's going to play harder and he's probably going to work to get over those mental issues, which he he's, I guarantee you, he's fully aware that he's in his own head. So it's just, it's one of those things. And it's that argument is not going to go away this year because Baker's going to play better and he's going to try harder. And then everyone's going to be like, Oh, OBJ, like shut up. Yeah, it just all comes back to science, though. I hate to say it, but it all comes back to science. Don't and tell that, anybody. I know. Shit. Well, yeah, science isn't real, right? No, science is real. And it all has to do with there's there's just way too many variables to make that type of correlation. It, it's like 
okay, I bought some mums this holiday season, this October. Some what? Some mums, some flowers, some mums. Oh, okay. I don't know what flowers are. I have two pots of (laughs) mums. One of them is flourishing. The other one is not. I could probably, it's probably safe to assume that I overwatered one of them and or I underwatered one of them. The, the reality is mm-hmm. both of these mums I bought at the same exact time. I have them in the same exact spot, but I clearly did something to screw them up. So I like to think of this as if you plant flowers in the ground, but you plant one of them in the sunlight and one of them in the shade, one of them may survive. And one of them may not, but you're trying to compare two different, completely different scenarios and saying that, well, this yeah. one survived because of X, Y, and Z. When the reality mm-hmm. is you killed the freaking plant on your own, but you're trying to blame it on something else. Like there's so many other factors yes. that are involved. I mean, that's a really bad analogy because I'm not a gardener at all and I can't keep anything alive, but that's what it feels like is happening with this whole OBJ and Baker situation. They're, they're just trying to force something that just isn't there like we're trying to force something that isn't there like freddie kitchens like why is nobody blaming freddie kitchens for baker mayfield like again like yes, i just had, don't understand you had captain clown calling plays for the bulk of the time that obj and baker were together you had a guy that literally just abandoned any kind of plan they had after the first like two uh, two drives maybe I mean, that's, yeah, that's so you know it was just all on the fly and when you leave it up to an idiot to think on the fly you're gonna have six and ten record that's what's gonna happen you can have all talent in the world and you're gonna be bad i was about to say that's really but generous like, to assume that freddie kitchens had a plan in the first place well i think i think jarvis said that, yeah. that they had a plan going in and then it, they just like they got it abandoned immediately like okay well now we're just gonna I'm going to think this through, which is fine if, if you're, it's not actually even fine if you're a smart person. You need to like stick to some sort of a plan. Having Freddie Kitchens do that, of course it's going to hurt Baker's numbers. Of course it's going to hurt yes, everyone exactly. on the team. You, that's just how it is. It would be interesting if instead of Freddie Kitchens, if, if it were, you know, Stefanski last season, then you could look and say, okay, is Baker better or worse with, with OBJ on the team? That would be fair to do, but like you're you're taking something that it, it's not comparable because you had an idiot running the squad. You can't say, oh well, you no, that's a, it's not how science works. Yeah, yeah. I forget I forget which one of you said it, but it was in our um, our trio group text today. One of you said that there's no control group. Yeah, which is true because Baker and OBJ and Jarvis and literally everybody on that team since 2000. 17 have been in a different situation every single year so you know one year they're in the sunlight and one year they're in the shade and one year they're planted next to plants that have different ph balances than they do like you know yeah Yeah. Yeah, you can't compare this like you if if god this is like getting really really deep into the gardening i guess the gardening (laughs) of the browns um (laughs) planting flowers if obj and Baker would have been under Kevin Stefanski last year. And then this year they would have continued and the track was the same. Then yeah, maybe you can start to make the comparison that Baker is better without OBJ. But the reality is like that it just can't happen because so many things have changed. Like so many things have changed. And, and I think again, like next year, if OBJ is still on the team, it's going to be tough again, because he's going to be rehabbing. There's going to be so many other factors, but Hey, if nothing else, at least the offense isn't going to change. At least there's some stability in the staff that you would hope to see not only Baker Mayfield improve for the rest of the year, but the hope and the goal was Baker Mayfield would be improving with or without OBJ, right? Like you would expect Baker Mayfield to be improving regardless of who is surrounding him on the team. And yeah, just keep in mind that it's not nearly as bad as you think it is. We we have the Mandela effect where we think that Baker is, you know, Tom Brady without obj yes and without him he's you know or with him he's deshaun kaiser like there is a middle ground here he doesn't have to be one or the other like it's not as bad as we initially thought so we can all calm down yeah baker is still developing like every year it almost feels like a year one for him because of that because like he was you know it was initially what was it john dorsey and 
Hugh Jackson, and then it was uh, John Dorsey and Greg Williams, yeah. and then it was John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, mm-hmm. and now it's Andrew Barry and, and Kevin Stefanski. Like, there's just there's no way to move forward when you keep resetting things. And I think that's unfortunately where Baker is. And now he's like staring down the nose of his fifth year option, which, mm-hmm. you know, before Sunday, people were saying like national media was saying, I wouldn't offer him a fifth year option. And they're, they weren't necessarily wrong about it. Uh, hopefully minds have been changed after yesterday, but you know, that's just, there's that's so much pressure. Yeah. You know, when, when you're, you're in a situation where everything around you is resetting, Mm -hmm. but you don't have that luxury to reset. And that's where Baker is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. I'm not trying to draw parallels of like being a professional athlete and being just in the normal working world, because it's very different. I understand that. But if you've ever changed jobs or been in a situation where you've had leadership turnover in your company, it's actually scary because one minute you have a completely you feel you feel completely secure in your job you feel like you have a really good thing going and then if leadership turns over and i've been through this a lot in in my corporate retail career like you see this happen a lot but i have been in situations where a new leader will come in and then it's like you almost have to prove yourself all over again you have nothing established yes and the reality is it's really scary because what can happen is they come in and they they want to bring in their own people. And I think that's what we that that's mm-hmm. what we see happening time and time again with the Browns starting over is new leadership comes mm-hmm. in and it's like, well, I'm going to pluck the people that I'm used to and that I want to work with. And those people are now going to yes. make decisions for the roster and we're going to bring in all these new players. It happens mm-hmm. so often. And the scary thing about this is, is Baker Mayfield now is what on his fourth? Like now he's being evaluated by a team or by a, staff that didn't draft him they didn't pick him like he has a mm-hmm. lot to prove they have no ties to him and and they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't pick him number one overall in the draft of course the organization did and you want him to work out because what you don't want to happen is for for this to start all over again because you actually have you have strong talent on the offense particularly for things to click and work so you want we want baker mayfield to be the answer Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to have to start over again. And at that point, you have to start evaluating, well, is Jarvis worth it? Is OBJ worth it? Uh, is Austin Hooper, is the Austin Hooper contract worth it? No, like you have these players to win now and to win in the near future. Mm-hmm. And for that to work out, you want ba- Baker Mayfield to be the answer. You don't want him to not be the answer. So I don't understand why people are rooting against him. Anyway, so guys, just wrapping up the OBJ talk. um, So we started out the season with a pretty deep wide receiver room. Injury has plagued us in addition to just OBJ. And I believe in the game yesterday, we only had three wide wide receivers to use in the game. Trade deadline is quickly approaching next week. Do you guys see this being a position of need for Andrew Barry to target? Well, does it have to be one? Because, uh, I mean, if I'm going to say that they need to target something, they got to get help. In, yeah, in I know. Safety. I mean, and, and, we, and like, yeah, linebacker and safety, I think, are probably going to yeah. should be the the top priority. Yeah, so that's priority number one. Um, I think as far as like wide receivers go, and like just the weapons in general, there's enough right now. You might want to get like a player just for like a safety net yeah. in case you know one of them goes down at some point or before someone else comes back or whatever it is. I wouldn't hate it, but I would hate if they went after another offensive weapon and we still don't bolster the defense in any way. That would, that would make me mad. I, I mean, this is why you have a practice squad too, right? Because you've got to, you've got to assume that someone from the practice squad can come up from a wide receiver spot. I hope that Jarvis is okay and can continue to play. We know that he's obviously, hurting with his rib um but hopefully he can he's mm-hmm. he's like the free he's like a robot or a vampire i don't know which one but i'm like i don't understand like does your rib break and then it just reheals i just think about vampires and how they. <laughs> if you guys heard twilight pants i'm a loser back in the day oh. but yeah they would just like everything would just come back i guess yesterday when we i was watching the game i was like i can't imagine because you know it looked kind of cold there it wasn't warm yesterday 
I can't imagine how bad that would hurt yeah. just to breathe in the cold with a broken rib, just like something very small. And I, I said that to, to Danny, we were watching the game and he's like, well, you had a broken sternum before. And I said, yeah. He's like, it was probably a lot like that. And I said, yeah. And I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm no athlete by any means. So like going out in the cold, I, I remember that specifically bending over to tie my shoe impossible <laughs> task like I can't imagine taking the field and doing athletic things allowing yourself to be hit throwing I just threw a pass <laughs> yeah I can't imagine doing like being that kind of a human being being that strong and physically capable because I honest to god I could not tie my shoe for like two weeks because just bending I couldn't laugh <laughs> Can you imagine me not laughing for two weeks? And this, this again, this is a sternum, not even a rib. I don't know which is worse, but like it was probably pretty similar in feeling. But my God, I I just could not get over. It. I was like, oh my God, he's like breathing cold air. What a what a, a human. <laughs> no, granted, he was yeah. probably pumped full of steroids and painkillers, sure. and I'm sure adrenaline had a lot to do with that too. But the entire time, I'm like sitting there thinking, <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh, and our. Uh, listeners of the male persuasion aren't gonna like this but jarvis landry has the pain tolerance of a woman yes like that's all i could that's I mean, all that's i could think women about give birth because men wouldn't be able to handle that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like that's the thing um gosh what was it oh there was a video that was circle circulating on sunday uh and i didn't get a chance to retweet it and i wanted to but it was like the two soccer players that were like in each other's face and the other one just like grabbed the other one and he like fell over backward. Oh I looked my at that God. and I was like <laughs> that was I watched that like 30 so times. I, it just was if so I funny. like if I wasn't having like such a like crazy day at work, I wanted to like retweet it and just be like, is this what the man flu is? Like, <laughs> that's, like, is that yes. And he had to like cross his arms too. Like he was a mummy. It was so ridiculous. like he was in a coffin. <laughs> like oh yeah i mean and that's just like and that's what i was thinking this entire time with jarvis landry playing completely injured like yes he's probably pumped full of drugs but like drugs only go so far you know they're like you you know unless you're like in a hospital bed on a constant morphine drip you know which in that case you're like not even conscious like yeah like he's he's got the pain tolerance of a woman that's that's the only thing i can yeah he's the only conclusion i can come to He's amazing. I love him. Um, yeah, so I, I think we're all hoping that we get some help on defense. I think, too, after like being five and two with a what 75% chance of making the playoffs, again, I feel like I need to whisper that 75% chance know, right? of making the playoffs. Um, I would hope that Andrew Barry, he had that quote, remember when he got hired, that he was going to aggressively seek talent i hope he is aggressively trying to find some help on defense because if we are a playoff team we need to be a lot better than we have been it can't just be miles garrett and denzel ward we need help and we can't just our best defense is hoping that our offense scores 30 points a game like that's not a strategy you know not predict that we were like the offense needs to outscore the opponent by they have to get 50 points each game well, okay, so they have to score at least 30 to even have a chance. And that's no. not a strategy. Like, that's not, you're not going to win. You might make it to the playoffs like that, but you're not going to make it very far like well, that. Well, one of the things that I want to know, because, you know, Andrew, Andrew Barry is excellent at bringing in talent. We've already decided that. But one of the things that I cannot wrap my head around at the moment is that Yannick Ngakwe was available oh. not only once, but twice. I can't, I can't even, I can't. This, this actually, this pains me to talk, to bring twice. this up. And the Browns were not able to acquire him. And now he's with the Ravens. Yeah. Yes. That is just uh, like aggressively getting talent would have gotten Yannick Ngakwe the first time and not let him go to Minnesota. Like, I don't, I mean, first off, I don't know what Minnesota was doing that because they're very clearly tanking this year, but then they were like, and then they like remembered a third of the way through the season. Oh yeah. We're tanking. Let's get rid of one of our highest paid players and are the best guy on our defense here you go ravens for yeah like 10 cents cool. on a dollar cool so go to these tanking teams and aggressively get talent like you know they're going to be yeah. selling at this point in time like they want to tank for what's his face trevor tank for trevor we're not tanking 
We can't go one too many games at this go point. Get these men and bring them, like line them up opposite of Miles. I don't know, maybe get some guys that can tackle because that's questionable right now on the defense. Anyway, I'm fired up, but I do want to talk about one more thing that gets me fired up as well. And I have to know if I'm just sensitive or if this is a real valid feeling that I have. Every week I watch the Browns play on TV. I don't have the luxury of listening to Jimmy D on broadcast because it doesn't time up. And also I'm out of the Cleveland market. So I would have to listen to it on a like extreme delay via Sirius. So I have to watch the games and the announcing staff. And I feel like every single broadcast worships the other team that the Browns are playing. Oh and I don't God. know if it's just me, but I, every time it's like the, f- the first quarter. And I'm like, I have to turn this game on mute because I cannot stand them. Just it's, I came home. I came home last night. And my dad, the first thing that he says when I walked in the door, he's like, and this is gross. And I'm sorry. But it's funny. It. <laughs> he's like, man, those announcers. They did everything but got on their and knees for Joe Burrow. I was like, yes. So, okay, so I was, I mean, obviously, since I'm on the radio network, I'm like on the radio broadcast, we don't have the TV volume on in studio, but we do have the TV on. <laughs> I said this to my boss <laughs> before the game when they had their pregame show up and you could actually see the announcers on TV. I looked up and I forget who it was. I don't even remember their names, but I looked at them and I said to my boss, if I went to a police sketch artist and just said, draw me a generic white boy. That's that's what I would expect him to draw. <laughs> like, those two guys were just like the most generic looking white men I have ever seen in my entire life. And I don't know yes. what they were saying, but I don't doubt that. Meredith, like, I don't, I Meredith, don't it was, think you're being. It was beyond. It was like, and I get it. Joe Burrow, he looked great. But it like Baker Mayfield was on his like 16 out of 16 completed pass in the game. Yes. And it literally was not even like it was barely mentioned. Barely mentioned. And then like he's not running Joe Burrow, multiple, franchi- Joe Burrow, multiple franchise records yesterday. Yes. Joe Burrow throws like his interception in, in the first quarter and is like, wow, he really knew how to place that ball. Like he, he was he was made he made the right decision. Like, but, he, but it was an interception. Guys, can I just say we need to get used to this for like the next 10 years because it's not going to stop. He is there. He is the, the darling of the NFL right now. Like Joe Burrow can do no wrong. And like, that's whatever fine. But like, he's still on a bad team guys. It's okay to say, Hey, Baker Mayfield is literally perfect right now. It's fine. You can say that it doesn't take anything away. It's not as a slight at Joe Burrow. It's just saying, facts statistically he was perfect for three quarters and it's okay to say that i swear to god i that yesterday that was so it was like border it was almost like grotesque the love and admiration for this kid and i'm just like you guys gotta stop like it's getting to the point where it's creepy and i think it's just gonna continue for years and years i mean if that hail mary would have would have worked in his favor we, it would have been it oh, would have turned God. into a legit explicit porn at that moment we, we would have their their pants would have <laughs> exploded it would have been a happy ending on live tv oh god <laughs> that's how it felt like going oh my god you guys make me so happy that i work for the radio now you should because you should I, feel like what? so blessed <laughs> So because like last week when they were playing the Steelers and Brie, you're at one point, you're like, I turned this game off. I was so jealous of you in that moment. I was like, I can't like I am stuck here, not only for the rest of this game, but for a two plus hour post game show on top of that. I am so jealous. But I just I'm I'm glad I don't have to hear these TV announcers, man, because like I like I said, I haven't heard any of them, but I do not doubt that they are completely biased towards the other team at all. And that's an annoying thing to me, like. When you are a, when you call play by play and when you're an analyst, like even when you belong to a team, like Jim Donovan is an employee of the Cleveland Browns. He's still unbiased when he calls his, <laughs> like everything. Like, I mean, he gets it. Like, I mean, he's not hundred percent unbiased. Like he does get excited yeah. and he makes compliments. Like at the end of, um, at the end of the, the Colts game, 
he was like, man, this is really starting to get fun. Like he says things like that, but like in the moment when he's calling mm-hmm. the plays, he's completely unbiased. Like that's what it should be. And I think also like here in Cleveland, we are very, very spoiled because Jim Donovan is easily one of the best in the business at what he does. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think like they bring in these, again, generic white dudes that were probably on their first broadcast ever. And someone forgot to tell them like, Hey, you're not a fan right now. You're a broadcaster. Oh, they're all, they're all they fans of Joe Burrow. They, they can't get enough of him. If they, if they could just sit at home and watch Joe Burrow highlights <laughs> all day, they would do it <laughs> happily. They love him so much. And it, it's not always this bad. Um, It depends. It all depends on who the quarterback yeah. is really. Because, like, you know, okay, they do it with with uh, yes. Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they, they really liked harping on the, well, you know, it's Ben's back, blah, blah, blah whatever, that's fine. Because um, he's kind of yeah, earned it, I guess. Even though I, I hate him. Yeah, uh, they, they will do it with Lamar Jackson, but he was the MVP. And this is all, what I'm saying about Joe Burrow. Is like, this is his first year. He's on a terrible team. The team is not doing well. Um, you had... Someone on the on the Bengals offering to sell their oh, yeah. house after the game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Oh so my god! Like, yeah, you, can, so you can chill on this for a second. He could be good, but like we don't have to like put all our eggs in the Joe Burrow basket right now. It's, it's okay. If okay, we don't so do can that. we also say at least with the Browns, even with Owen sixteen, like we didn't have guys literally listing their house on Twitter. <laughs> like that no, that happened. was I don't know what. Yeah, that, that was so bizarre. Yeah, that that oh, tweet got it? deleted too. Yeah, he oh, did. Which I'm like, but I'm sure I'm, it was someone had to have screenshot it. Like it was up long mm. enough that Listen, someone had to have gotten it. Oh yeah. I mean, but, there are a lot of dumpster fire things happening in the league on teams, and I am just so happy that it's not the Browns in the conversation. Dallas is a mm-hmm. hot mess. Mike McCarthy, he could have been the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Like, whoa, <sighs> good thing we avoided that one. They are a hot mess. You have the Jets, just. I mean, they might be worse than the 0-16 Browns. Um, and then you just mentioned this, like Cincinnati. Like, there's so much like in-house weird things happening and disgruntled mm-hmm. players. We don't have any of that to talk about, and that no. is such a difference than what we had last year at this time. I mean, last year at this time, what's his face was threat was threatening fans on Twitter. Freddie Kitchens was probably wearing a T-shirt. I mean, there was just like way too. Like, remember all of the um all the uniform fines that the Browns got, like the clowns. Oh my God. God. The the Wahoos and the the Pfizer. Oh my God. The shoes, everything. Yeah. That's the watch. I think. And almost like, and I almost wonder if that's why people are latching on to this one storyline of, you know, oh, it's bigger, better without OB. Cause like, there's nothing else to latch onto. There's no soap opera. There's no drama going on with this team and people you know, they blame the media for wanting drama and stirring up drama, but they're doing it just as much themselves, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, it's, I, I almost wonder if that's it. You know, if people are just like, they're, they don't know what to do. You know, it's like, yeah. you're watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians and then all, all of a sudden it ends and you're like, shit, I, I need something to watch. And they start watching Vanderpump Rules. Like, you know, it's like, they need that in their life. They don't know how to function without it. Yeah. yeah, you bring up a very interesting point, though, with OBJ obviously being out for the season. Like, what will be the storyline in Cleveland? Hopefully, they just won't well, be one. Hopefully, we just stay under the radar. Baker. They're going to do well, it. Well, Baker, Baker Mayfield is like a given, it. it feels like. But I know. for whatever reason, it's, just it's Baker or OBJ gets picked on week to week. Well, so. well Baker is low hanging fruit because, you know, he had he was so amazing his rookie year and then was you know i don't want to say that he was garbage last year but he did not play well but he had all of the you know stuff that he did off the field like do you guys remember the the picture with the car and the tiger like that like <laughs> like there that was, was the sexiest photo i've ever for, seen. i mean oh yeah that pale so you skin got, yeah, my so goodness you, <laughs> so yeah so you got like baker baker's doing like boudoir photo shoots with a large cat and he's doing you leave that photo shoot alone all right (laughs) that came in handy yesterday after they beat the Bengals. that's right (laughs) i mean also also, well i i I would say though i was surprised that ronnie harrison was like live instagramming 
the post, like they were in the huddle. Yeah. I thought he would get in trouble for that. Yeah. Coach Stefanski. I mean, I, I think he runs a pretty tight ship there. Baker was but, dancing. But yeah. He was in the huddle. I don't know. I also appreciate the fact that Baker quoted run DMC in his, in his post game. <laughs> that was DMX. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. TMX. Did I say run DMC? DMX. Yeah. Like, so it's like so Baker being the low hanging, so we'll leave the Boudoir photo shoot out of it. But one of the reasons why Baker is low hanging fruit is because, you know, he has these progressive commercials that are running across the country and, People outside of the Cleveland market are annoyed by it. And I would know because my family has told me multiple times they're like annoyed with the Hulu commercials and the progressive commercials. And, you know, you would expect someone who gets that amount of advertising features, you know, to be like to be a Tom Brady, but he's not. And like, that's a problem. And then on top of that, everyone is used to being able to picking on the Cleveland Browns. And so the reason that Baker Mayfield is always going to be quote unquote a story is because it's low hanging fruit. And then especially from the national media who just want to use the Browns fan base for clicks. So they'll tweet things and say things for the pure fact of riling everybody up, knowing that everyone is going to get their panties in a twist. Like it's just, it's lowest common denominator and I just, it needs to stop. Yeah. Well, Baker's back bitches. (laughs) Sorry, you can edit that one out. Oh, that is not, that is staying in. <laughs> I couldn't wait to uh, shut down all the Baker Mayfield hate. I mean, because listen, are you guys thankful that that game didn't pan out like the first quarter? Because I was not about to sit on Twitter and have to deal with that for the entire my yeah, account. Yeah, I was going to be done. I could not handle it if that went poorly. I was like, no, nah, oh. I can't stick around for this one. So much more fun doing a show after a victory. Um, yes. Anyway, I think this is all we have for, for tonight. This was, this was a good show, all things considering. We were obviously very sad about the OBJ news. So that was the one downer of, of the show. But other than that, looking forward to uh, taking on the Raiders this week at home before heading into the bye week and hopefully we'll get Nick Chubb back and and we can continue our quest for playoffs guys don't yes. say it too loudly I know playoffs <laughs> all right well um you guys thank you all for listening and joining us live tonight on hot mics um again you can find us on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher Um, Be sure to download us, rate and review us if you like what you are hearing. And again, stay tuned to hear when we go live on Hot Mics. Join in on the chat. We have a lot of fun speaking with all of you. Thank you and have a good night, guys.